My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for this second part of my interview with Corey and Laurie Cole. So in the first part we heard a little bit about some anecdotes when they were working for Sierra, including their friendly rivalry with the people at LucasArts, and they spoke about a quest for glory. And now in the second part of this interview, they speak a little bit more about their game uh, Summer Days at Hero U, which is currently on Kickstarter, why you should at least consider backing it, and what benefits you can expect from backing it, and much, much more as well. So, please enjoy. Summer Days, I see it's a prequel to Rogue's Redemption, is that correct? That is correct. We set it the, the season before because really uh, the uh, Road to Redemption is supposed to be the first of a sequence of games that each time uh, get tougher and tougher. And since we weren't going with the same style that Road to Redemption is, this adventure role-playing style, we were going with the more the uh, uh, adventure story style it it doesn't feel fit into that sequence very well, so we put it before the Rogue to Redemption, so that you're you're having the light prequel to the game. Yeah, another way of looking at it is uh, they talk about uh, uh, storytelling and particularly in screenwriting uh, that you don't want to ever tell a story from the beginning. You want to jump into the middle of the action and the you know the the good bits, the uh, the exciting parts. Uh, so Rogue to Redemption starts out with uh, uh, your character is, uh, you know, trying to uh, become a member of the Thieves Guild, uh, and instead you get caught right at the beginning of the game, and you get uh, shanghaied and sent off to this uh, school for heroes to, to be a hero, and you know, and you're uh, so that's you know that's kind of coming in the middle of the action. Okay, where did this university come from? Why is it there? Uh, you know, what is uh, you know the reason that and and that's throughout the course of Rogue Redemption, you're trying to figure out the mystery of uh, who your character is, who is Sean O'Connor, and uh, why did he in particular get picked to uh, go there? Uh, so what we're doing with Summer Days at Hero U is we're actually taking you back a little bit in time, um, and the school is already still there, uh, but you're going to learn more about it. You're going to find out more about the backstory and the history of the teachers and so on as this other rogue, uh, Tilly Appleberry, uh, uh, goes through and uh, you know she's there because she wants to be uh, but you know she's a rogue she doesn't like to play by the rules well she's there because somebody else uh, Shang tired her into going too <laughs> and and next she's uh, and next she's being forced to uh, run the fall festival the harvest festival uh, at the end of summer and uh, she doesn't really want to do that either but <laughs> it, it, so, the, so the Tilly story of this game is very lighthearted. It's very um, much, it's got jokes and, and a lot of playing around and things like that. And so, therefore, it's a relaxing sort of game that you can play anytime and pick it up. And you can even play it on your cell phone, you know, when you're when you're writing to work and things like that. So that it's, it's not an intense experience. It's a uh, relaxing, fun experience. And then we have the... Uh, 
the choice to also play the Wizards game. And the Wizards game, which stars Ife Okina, um, is a very different kind of game. It gets a little darker. It starts to get into some of the things that is going to that that are the underlying story for the entire Hero U series, i.e. that there are dark things going on um, and things that are happening are leading up to uh, a horrendous event that will eventually be explored in future games. And uh, yeah, one of the things we've always tried to have uh, some diversity in our games, uh, uh, but we've been frustrated because uh, uh, we originally had uh, four different uh, uh, races, including Centaur uh, and uh, Choice of Male or Female, in our designs for uh, the original uh, Quest for Glory, uh, and got told by Sierra, sorry, you can't do that, because we need to animate uh, all eight of those combinations, uh, and that animation has to fit on every 360K floppy disk. So uh, it was impossible <laughs> to pull off at that point in time. And now uh, we're going to allow players to choose their character and uh, have a little more agency in that and, and actually tell a different story depending upon who your main character is. So even back in the Sierra days, you, you know, you hear the stereotypes about, uh, you know, uh, uh, teenage males or, or the game players, teenage boys. Uh, and, of course, people who are actually game players know that, no, they're actually mostly adults. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, but what a lot of people don't realize it's like okay well there are a few uh, girl gamers and a few women gamers uh that's actually never been true even when we were at sierra in the uh late 80s and uh uh, 90s uh about half of the audience of sierra games were women Uh, wow half yep it was at least it was 40 percent it was 40 yeah and uh, that's still a big number but it was because that kind of a game appeals to women and when mm-hmm. uh, you know and of course when all games became um shoot 'em ups sort of a you know you lose a lot more of your percentage of women who are not interested in in a uh, game that doesn't tell a story and doesn't have any meaning yeah i couldn't play any of those uh uh you know first pers- player perspective games uh and uh you know it's it's not that i you know object to a shoot 'em up although i find it a little bit of a uh, one-story theme, uh, mm-hmm. you know, could, like a little more of a story. Uh, but I couldn't play them because I got seasick playing them. And in <laughs> fact, uh, World of Warcraft, to which uh, I'm thoroughly addicted uh, and have been for about 10 years, uh, when it first came out, I couldn't play that game either because I got sick within 10 minutes of playing the game. Uh, so I managed to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, I got a faster computer. Once I had a fast uh, computer with a fast graphics card, I no longer had the problem. Uh, right, yeah. But, no, uh, but I... first, yeah, first-person shooter games, you know, they're exciting, they're visceral, uh, but they are do- kind of doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, so adventure games, uh, you know, are more interesting to us because every adventure game tells a different story. Mm. And uh, it's just like uh, books. You know, we have thousands of books, Uh and every book, uh, you know, they may be in a common theme. They might be a science fiction or a fantasy or a mystery. But every book tells its own story and has its own characters and does it in its own way. Uh, so that's why there's, you know, infinite room for new adventure games. Mm-hmm. And maybe not so much for first-person shooters. 
Yeah, no, I mean, like you, I've absolutely nothing against first-person shooters. I've played a few myself, but my, my problem is that basically I suck at them. I'm very, <laughs> very bad at them. Uh, now, I've got friends who, who play them, but the thing is that nowadays, you know, with some friends of mine or people I know, when they think of video games and gamers, the first thing that they will think of are for our first-person shooters. And what I'm trying to do with the podcast and trying to tell other people who are not gamers is try to tell them, at least with adventure games, you might enjoy them because you like reading books, you like stories, you like watching you know, Netflix or TV series going to the cinema. Well, you might like these games. For example, now, this game, Summer Days, it's, uh, you know, it's a strong story aspect to it. And especially if you like, I imagine, Harry Potter or fantasy or even if, you know, you, you don't. If you like strong stories, then you might like adventure games. And that's what I'm trying to do. And funny thing is, when I was in Boston uh, earlier this year for the Narrowscope, and I went with a friend of mine from Ireland who had never played an adventure game, and we played Zork. We started to play that. But I said to her, no, okay, no, you're in charge. You you tell me where you want to go, what you want to do. And she started, and she began to really enjoy it. <laughs> to, I so think I th- that's a different experience. The experience of playing with somebody else on a game True, is as well. just another, another experience well. altogether. It's the right way to play if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we played the game uh, Dungeon Master on the uh, Atari ST, uh, the, you know, we had that experience. As, uh, you know, I was kind of the keyboard jockey. And Laurie was over one shoulder, another friend of ours, uh, Candida, was uh, over my other shoulder. And, uh, you know, they would, uh, uh, you know, each took on some of the characters in our four-player uh, party and uh, decide what that character uh, liked to eat and what they uh, wanted to do and so on, which was not part of the game. That was just stuff we made up. Uh, but they would tell me, uh, you know, uh, oh, watch out, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> and it was really exciting, actually, playing that game as a, a three-player game that was uh, designed as one. Yeah, oh, and, absolutely. and it's like reading with your child. There's nothing more important mm. a pla- parent can do than read with their child. Well, I would say playing games with your child on the computer is a great mm-hmm. place, too, especially games that have a lot of, you know, uh, text and things like that. They're learning to read. They're learning this wonderful experience of having fun while doing this. It's a great way to uh, create, you know, a strong you know, sense of reading in the child and uh, and values. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and would you say that Summer Days might be a game like that where you can play with children? Would it be it's, suitable for it's children? Perfect for playing with children. I mean, it's not a. a it's not. It's right. not a children's game. Not a game. children's story, children's right? <laughs> which which we have to say because it's we're presenting in a storybook style. Mm-hmm. And, and in a sense, we're going back to, you know, people said, uh, you know, we want to have the visual look of Quest for Glory 4 that's, uh, you know, uh, still screens and, uh, uh, you know, talkers uh, over the screen. And so on. we've done that. Uh, but, you know, it's it kind of it, you could in a way say this game looks like a storybook, uh, but it isn't because it's a it's an adult story. Uh, it's not a uh, it's not a, a scary story. It's not a horror story. Uh, it doesn't have. Uh, sex or violence, you know, it really is, you know, uh, a what wholesome they, story. It's, 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 a, a, <laughs> it's a hallmark story. I mean, <laughs> and I hate to say that because I don't want people to be turned off by that, but you know, it's just enchanting. It's lovely. It's a game that you just feel happy looking at. 
And mm. I think that's a different experience. It's not one we've ever put into a game before. Yeah. But it's, you know, like the experience that I had reading The Hobbit uh, for the first time. Nice. You know, you've got these charming, cute little hobbits and so on. And eventually danger comes up and they have to deal with it. But, uh, you know, it's got that, uh, you know, that fairy tale feel all the way through it. Uh, and, you know, that's what we're doing with this game. And then with the Feo, if you go with the Feo story, you have a little bit of a darker uh, story. There is more more conflict and so on. But it is still, you know, completely suitable for children. Yeah, uh, right. And the other thing is we've really actively tried to get uh, diversity into our games now and to let people feel like, you know, oh, somebody you can identify with in a game. And we have a variety of characters, all sorts of characters you interact with. And I'm sure that anybody can see themselves in one of the characters of this game. Because we've got so many different ones. And, and of course, if you're a white male player, it's uh, it's perfectly fine, too, because uh, it is a role-playing game. Yeah. And you get to take on a role. And, uh, you know, what uh, what man hasn't uh, dreamed of uh, what it would be like to be a cute woman? Or a wizard. Yeah, Everybody what, can identify yeah, with what, that one. What wimpy, nerdy uh, white guy uh, doesn't want to be a powerful uh, black uh, male, uh, you know, strong and powerful wizard uh, uh, who is insecure also like them, but never mind that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you you make a very good point because I spoke with a developer who was, I believe he's half Chinese, half Canadian, Min Ta, who made the game Detective D, which was released earlier this year in 2019. Uh And one of the things he told me was that there are very, very few games where the main players, the main characters are Asian. And he yeah. said he wanted to make a game that his son could play and could see a character that looks like him. Yes. And and now when I played the game, I had absolutely no issue whatsoever playing as an Asian character. I still, you know, it's not a white male like me, but I still felt, no, it's, uh, you know, I'm really involved in the story and this world and this setting. And so I really love to see more diverse characters. And I see that with this game as well with Ifeo and, and Tilly. Yeah, um, we have so I a it's... Hao, uh, We have a Chinese woman in our game. We have a uh, uh, a minotaur in our game. If you're into being a minotaur, um, <laughs> well, so we have a, <laughs> we have a wide variety of characters, and uh, like to people to feel like you know this is a game where they can just enjoy and see themselves in it and experience uh, a wonderful story. And and it is a fantasy. Um, and you know, <laughs> yeah, because minotaurs yeah. don't really exist in this world. <laughs> what about fairy dragons? Oh no, don't tell me that. <laughs> fairy dragons, but, real. Uh, okay. uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. That's one of the great things because I, I'm guessing is now I don't know if this word, but Ifeo is he? Does he have African origin originally? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. It's from Yoruba, and it's it's around the uh, the eastern Africa. Uh, area and so therefore he's pulling his culture from that region of Africa because Africa is just huge, really. And right. uh, there are so <laughs> many different cultures. It's a wealth of uh, of story you can pull from that area. Um, and so therefore we we've always tried to to do stealth teaching in our games. Uh, in uh, Rogue to Redemption, for instance, we had his aunt was the chef for the game um 
And every day when you went to the cafeteria to have supper, we had a meal from a different part of the world with other actual type of food you'd find in that uh, region. So, yes, I, I actually had a huge, like, uh, 20 days worth of menu that uh, basically each night you'd get a different part of the world's uh, favorite foods put together. And we each gained 20 pounds researching it. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just like that. We believe in stealth education. We believe in, in making the world so real that you feel like, yeah, it's just an extension of this one and that you feel right at home, but you're also learning about other places and other people and their cultures, even though it doesn't a total one for one. It's not a, it's not a real world culture, but it is, you know, inspired by yes. uh, stories uh, from Yoruba. Uh, and Feo is in fact himself a misfit. Uh, he doesn't really fit into his own culture uh, where normally uh, if you had a person becoming a wizard, it would be a woman. Uh, so he needs to cope with that. Uh, so, you know, we've got uh, we have characters that have real challenges. And that's really where our where our idea of puzzles come from. And that's why I call them problems is characters have problems and you get to try to help them solve them. Uh, so that's right, really that's, yeah. they're organic to the story. Right. Okay. Now that sounds, and I believe in Quest for Glory, you also did something similar that you've got a different culture in every game. Was that correct as well? Yes. Or different we cultures. Take, we I took you down to Africa in one game, and then you're thrown mm. into a cultures. Uh, the culture down there, uh, the the African tribe we based it off of was the Maasai, and you had to learn about their culture that for the Sabani people and how they lived and how they thought so you could fit in and you could help them. And you had to adapt to their society. And we had three different cultures in that game. And so once again, it's all about the player really having this, this kind of visceral experience of what it's like to become part of another land and, and their, their people. Right. Yeah, no, because I, I can't think of many games that actually do that, like, uh, you know, focus on different cultures so much, especially African cultures. I can't think of many games off the top of my head, so I'm sure a lot of people would be happy to see that. Because one thing about uh, the Kickstarter, which you've already spoken about, that people can can donate out uh, without any fear, basically, that if, uh, you know, rather than waiting for the goal to be met, we, we kind of need people if they like the, the game to you know to donate already but um and then as as we mentioned that if it if uh, hopefully it will make the goal but if it doesn't then you don't lose any money anyway but i see as well that towards the bottom of the kickstarter page you mentioned some potential stretch goals that um you might include would you like to talk about what you would like to do if you surpass the goal or would you like to just leave that yeah yeah there's a there's a long tradition on kickstarters of having what they mm -hmm. call stretch goals uh, and we could have put some in from the beginning, but I decided that, you know, I wanted to get very close to uh, our original goal before we uh, start uh, teasing sure. people with those. Uh, so there's uh, uh, essentially what a bad, a bad stretch goal is one where uh, you start over promising and say that, mm. you know, we're going to make the game three times bigger and so on. If we make another $10,000 and stuff like that, that is completely impractical. A good stretch goal is one that you always wanted to have there in the first place. Uh, and that if you have more funding, you can afford to do. 
So mm -hmm. uh, one thing that many players have asked for uh, is uh, voice acting. Uh, mm -hmm. And that we, you know, really would like to have, you know, professional, uh, top quality uh, voice acting with a professional director uh, for our characters. But that's expensive. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it'll. Uh, and so that's probably uh, that would take like an additional twenty five thousand dollars under the budget uh, to pay for that. Uh, another one is foreign language translations uh, that uh, we would like to have the game available in multiple languages. And we have a lot of fans in other countries. We have players all around the world. Uh, we've had requests for uh, Russian and uh, Italian and, uh, you know, many different languages for the games. And if we can uh, get another stretch, stretch goal, then we can arrange for the game to be uh, simultaneously or shortly thereafter translated into uh, three or four uh, additional languages. Um, what else? Animation, additional animation? Yeah, we really mm -hmm. want to put more animation. The problem with those style of games that this this adventure story uh, visual novel style is there's very static you know mm -hmm. and uh that can be very dull and we want to bring life to it we want to make it feel like you know you're part of this game just like you are with any of our other games and so therefore adding spot animations and getting these characters to move i think that will make a, a big difference in in immersion and just because it looks great <laughs> that's part of it. The aesthetics are important in a game because that's that's what affects you on an unconscious level. You know, you feel the game as much as play the game. Yeah, and you you remember uh, you know what the characters look like. You see them in your mind's eye when you think back to the game, and uh, it really makes a difference. Uh, well, also uh, in terms of challenge, uh, that uh, you know we want to we're going to have you know dialogue puzzles and so on in the game uh but one of the things people ask for a lot are mini games uh so for instance in our game that was uh uh set in east africa in, in quest for glory 3 uh we had the uh game of awari uh, where you uh, played stones and a board it's a traditional uh game in that area uh and we actually let you play that against uh, some of the characters in the game uh mini games unfortunately are pretty expensive to put into a game because you're basically doing a custom scene just for the game custom animation a lot of different things uh, so if we uh, get additional uh, money in our stretch goals, then we can apply them to mini-games. Uh, uh, combat in Quest for Glory basically is a form of mini-game, uh, and that we are going to have some combat situations in the game. Uh, they're done in a storytelling fashion, but it would be really exciting if we could make them interactive. Uh, and, you know, uh, so effectively, if we reach another stretch, stretch goal, then we'll have uh, actually some real interactive uh, but optional uh, combat uh, that will let you play out some of these uh, situations where the school is being invaded by monsters and it's up to you to defend it. So, Interesting. And then uh, one, one thing that I'm interested in is you also mentioned plush, plush mirror bat toy <laughs> add-on option. <laughs> that's what uh, I'm most interested in. <laughs> that's uh, that's actually something we could do today. Is uh, and we are going to uh, put some add-ons. Currently, the campaign has no add-ons. Uh, Kickstarter itself is not very good at handling add-ons, but we're using a. Uh, uh, we work with a company called Backercat. So after the Kickstarter is done, everything will move over to Backercat, and they're really really good at uh, letting you uh, uh, choose and buy uh, add-ons. Um, so, uh, we'd, we would love to make a, uh, plush animal for the, uh, the Mirabat familiar. Uh, we're doing some, uh, what they call challenge coins in the military, 
that we're doing uh, uh, Heroes Quest 30th anniversary or, or Glory 30th anniversary uh, uh, coins that we may do as a keychain. It's a keychain, yes. Uh, and we'll probably have those available as an add-on. We're having some of those made. So uh, we are shortly going to, uh, uh, in the next couple of days, we'll, we'll add some add-ons to the campaign. So uh, if you don't have enough souvenirs already, well, we're giving you more souvenirs. The thing with Kickstarter is that you have a choice of what you want to get with the game. I mean, you don't just buy the game. You can buy the game in a box and have a real physical box. Or you can buy your uh, image in the actual game. And uh, we've got... Uh, Going, what we're still selling is your your character, a cartoon of you in the uh, credits. In the, end, in the end credits, yes. So, so it'll be uh, you know kind of thank mm. you uh, to uh, you know our, our big sponsors and uh, have a uh, picture of you uh, created from you know from your photo uh, turned into a cartoon by uh, our animator, uh, and then you get to have a little uh, one liner. Uh, uh, that goes along and rolls with the so, end credits. Yeah. So you get to be part of this game. We really want to encourage people to feel like this this game is theirs and that they have a part of this game and they affect this game. And the game isn't something that is simply presented to them. It's it's right. something that's part of their life. Uh, well, yeah, people can, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, we, uh, we also want to appeal, you know, what we've done, with Hero You Road to Redemption, uh, we were kind of surprised, but I guess shouldn't have been, uh, that almost all of our players were people that had played Quest for Glory uh, back in the 90s. Uh, and we this game is really designed to open up the uh, uh, the adventure Fun game base. area. This is, this is not just for adventure gamers. It is not just for our fans, uh, people who uh, love reading, people who love uh, Japanese visual novels or... Uh, Western digital uh, visual novels, uh, people that uh, just love a good story, love a good movie, uh, should enjoy this game. And if you're into Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or any sort of uh, fantasy films or uh, uh, or books, you know you should love Summer Days at Hero U. And so we're hoping uh, that some of those players will give us a try. Mm -hmm. Well, they can play the demo as we mentioned as well. They can try it out. And um, and also you talk about your you know you can, uh, not you know be part of the game that there are different pledges so you can uh, pledge from I believe from twenty dollars to oh, up to five hundred and fifty and actually I see that with uh, I don't know if I'm wrong but the but the five hundred dollar option that there are only two left yeah I know <laughs> uh, that one actually completely sold out and uh, uh, that's in the uh, end game scene to have uh, to have your character in the end game scene. Uh, and then we added on uh, after that. After we filled up all of the slots for that, uh, we decided we could we couldn't fit any more people in that scene. But we could fit people in the end game credit, so we added a five hundred twenty dollar option. That's our highest tier currently. Uh, and this is in contrast to we had options up to ten thousand dollars in the uh, uh, Road to Redemption uh, thing for people that just basically wanted to give us a super vote of confidence and uh, <laughs> contribute a lot. Uh, you know, it really it really isn't about the rewards. It really is about saying, uh, I am casting a vote. I want to see more games that are real storytelling, uh, you know, fun fantasy games that are not all about death and destruction, despair, but they're, you know, uplifting and, and, and happy games that will make me feel happy to play them uh, is really what we're doing with this one. Yeah, we uh, want to give the experience of just, you know, you enjoy it. It's, you know, it's not going to be life and death. 
it's really about just the simple pleasure of, of playing the game. Yes. Uh, so right. basically, that's what you're really doing. The Kickstarter is, you know, you're you're getting some, uh, you know, some fun rewards and uh, good gifts. And we're, in fact, we have one that we're planning and adding on. Assuming the campaign gets up to uh, at least 1,250 uh, backers, which I think it will. We're over 1,100 already. Uh, that uh, we're going to go and take all of the physical rewards and we're going to add. Uh, the uh, Sean's Lucky coin uh, that we minted uh, from the previous uh, game. It's, it's the Lucky Rogue coin that is a shamrock on one side. Uh, there's a, uh, there was hey. an accident. Rogue Redemption. <laughs> yeah. uh, and says Hero You on the other side. And it's, it's really cool looking. Uh, so we'll be giving those to everybody who gets a physical reward without any additional charge or anything, just, just because we can. Okay, I'm I'm very I'm I'm in now. Just a shamrock sold it to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a beautiful uh, pewter uh, style coin, um, and uh, it's just it's just a really uh, really nice work of art in some regard. So, uh, so you know, it's a lot of little of the things that we get the fun of uh, making things. We made a uh, uh, a meep, which is a uh, you know a fuzzy. Uh, creature that uh, lives in uh, holes under the ground and uh, super strong, uh, but they look like a ball of fuzz. Uh, and we made those for the previous campaign. And uh, Yeah, we love to do plushies for this one. Plushies are very expensive to do, and they're hard, uh, you know, uh, with uh, all the tariffs and things with China, it becomes very difficult since most of these are made in China, but we really, really want them. Yeah, so so the, we're really hoping that our players will bag us enough so that we can afford to get those <laughs> and afford to buy them and, and make them and have them all over our house. Yeah, and that's the other reason we didn't put in the add-ons initially is because we really want to make those, but if we only get, uh, if we only sell a hundred of them, uh, they'll probably cost us $30 each to make. And, you know, we'd have to probably charge $100 uh, to actually right. have any going to the contribution of the game. So uh, if we make a thousand of them, then they're like $12 each to make. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, so it's a, it's a huge it's a difference. difference. Yeah. Huge difference depending on how many we make of these and how many we sell. Uh, and of course, we can't predict that. So if we offer it, we have to deliver on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have to make uh, make sure we do that in a way that uh, you know some of the money for that actually goes into uh, paying the artist in the game. Yeah, so and, that we're not just paying for a plushie. You know, yeah. we're not in the toy making business here, uh, although we enjoy that too. Yeah, so you know, we're. Uh, I'd like to say we're not here to be alt uh, altruists, but in a sense, we really are because. Uh, uh, Hero You Road to Redemption raised uh, uh, over $500,000 in two Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, and uh, Lori and I initially paid ourselves, and we ended up loaning back all the money that we got paid uh, to see the project to uh, its finish. So uh, we haven't actually gotten a penny out of uh, our previous game. Wow. Uh, that's, and, I mean, uh, after all the work you guys are putting into it. Yeah, I mean. yeah but, uh, you know, but it's, it keeps us occupied in our old age. <laughs> this is our retirement this plan is, you know this is our hobby you know our life just happens to be around making games because we love them you know uh, yeah, the, well, there's yeah, there's an old joke about uh uh you know the guy uh uh buying up uh, things for ten dollars and then uh, selling to people for five dollars or saying you know <laughs> how can you afford to do that he says well here's how it works i lose money on every one of these i sell but i'll make it up in quantity <laughs> that's our yes that's our uh, way i we afford these games so, clearly. so if we make enough games and we lose money on every one then sooner or later we'll make a profit on quantity 
Uh, <laughs> and that really does work for things like the plushies because uh, they don't cost us as much uh, if we sell enough of them. Right. Yeah. Well, hopefully you guys will eventually begin to make some money after all your your hard work. Um, I hope so. We're, we're, turning, <laughs> we're turning a little bit socialist in our old age. And honestly, <laughs> I, was, I was a staunch libertarian when I started at Sierra. And, you know, it was all about, uh, you know, competence and being the best and so on. Uh, and, you know, over the years, I've come to realize that, no, a lot of that is really just uh, uh, what what family you were born into, what country you were born into and stuff like that. So uh, as I get older, I say, you know, it really isn't that important to make money from a creative exercise. What's important is to be creative, uh, to make something that we're proud of, to make people enjoy it. Uh, and if we can uh, make a living doing that, well, that allows us to keep being creative a little longer. Yes. So this is the point of the Kickstarter, to help us keep being creative just a little longer. <laughs> yeah. And, yes. and we do pay all, we do pay most of our team members. Uh, so, uh, you know, for our developers, our uh, artists and mu musicians and so on, uh, that the Kickstarter gives us funds to uh, to pay them so that they can keep on making music and art. Yes, exactly. You have a whole team working with you. It's not yes. just yourselves either. It's a community, yes. No, there were, there were close to 100 people worked on Quest for Glory 5. Uh, and uh, over the course of the five and a half years, we had 30 people worked on uh, Hero You Road Redemption. And if you look at, uh, you know, what it costs to hire a programmer, uh, or an artist these days, you realize that uh, expensive. You know, that's, that's a few bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, quite a few. These, these are uh, these are million and multi-million dollar games that we're uh, you know developing on on less than that. But uh, you know, there's only a certain level we can squeeze it. So we do need people's contributions, and they aren't they aren't just about the money. They're really what they're really there for is they're saying, yeah, this is the kind of game I want, and I'm going to support it because I want to see more games like this made. Uh, exactly. They, they and let me make that as a general it. pitch because there are a lot of other really good companies uh, that are uh, making some exciting games and putting them out uh, for crowdfunding. And uh, mm -hmm. please go out and look these up. Look for adventure games. Look for role-playing games. And support them uh, uh, with just a tiny bit of your pocketbook because all those little $25 uh, uh, donations really add up over the course of time a lot of people a lot of years to millions of dollars of contributions to storytelling games in general yeah, yeah it seems like every, every day there's a new kickstarter yep. for adventure games i'm uh, sorry laurie yeah you're going to say it's just saying this is the way we keep it alive this is how mm -hmm. people can afford to make these games because they're you know they're hugely expensive to make and it's very easy if you're a small developer to get disheartened by how much it's going to cost and, and all the logistics of making a game, which is horrendous. Um, but the fact that the fans keep contributing to it and in, that encourages people to design and to keep doing this. And so, yeah, we need you. <laughs> Absolutely. And. Uh, then, as well as the Kickstarter, have you had any interaction from uh, any publishers or anything? Because you mentioned you had before spoken with uh, Sony as well. But then it's also, I imagine, hard to working with publishers because, you know, we talk about first-person shooters. Uh, maybe they might say, oh, we, we like this concept, but maybe we should turn this into a first-person shooter. Strangely <laughs> <laughs> well, enough, uh, we did a game for a company called Legend Entertainment, uh, that uh, did the Wheel of Time series and uh, some other uh, uh, Callahan's Cross Time Saloon. Uh, we did a game called Shannara based on uh, the Sword of Shannara by Terry Brooks. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and uh, uh, that was another uh, uh, lesser known uh, Quest for Glory, Glory style game uh, that we uh, did uh, around 95, something like that. Uh, and uh, eventually, uh, Legend Entertainment uh, uh, got major funding from uh, and was acquired by Random House Publishing. Uh, and Random House was used to working with individual authors uh, and was sometimes kind of slow about giving people royalty checks and so on. Uh, they did that to Legend Entertainment, and Legend Entertainment had, you know, 50 employees, uh, and slow checks to a company like that means they're bankrupt. Uh, right. So uh, Legend got to the edge of bankruptcy uh, and then ended up getting uh, acquired by, I think it was the company that does uh, Unreal Tournament. Uh, and uh, they ended up uh, uh, taking all their staff and turning them into making, you guessed it, first-person shooter games <laughs> and, you know, and action games. And, you know, they're really good at it, but mm-hmm. what it does is uh, it just cuts off another corner of that universe. You had one of the companies that uh, 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 sprang out of Infocom uh, and uh, that was basically one of the uh, companies that was keeping storytelling gaming alive, and they went into making games that were really not about storytelling. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's exactly what can happen. Uh, with us, uh, we have neither been approached by nor approached any publishers, except, uh, we've had, uh, three or four different groups come to us and say, uh, we want to revive the quest for glory series and either do remakes of the games or make new quest for glory games. Uh, and, uh, and we basically given their, them their, our blessing to, uh, go and talk to, uh, Activision, uh, Activision Blizzard, uh, owns uh, uh, Sierra Online and owns uh, all of our previous uh, intellectual property. Uh, so they have the name Quest for Glory. Uh, mm. And uh, people have talked to them and they basically said, no, we might want to do this in-house someday. And so they basically are sitting in the license. They will not license Quest for Glory out. Yeah, that's uh, more difficult, I imagine, because I've uh, I've heard that Jane Jensen also would like to work on you know, a new Gabriel Knight game, yeah. but the same issue. That they and she's approached him, I've heard, and again they've they've told her no, and they're just sitting on it. Yeah, and everyone wants another Gabriel Knight, wants more Quest for Glory, but they're just sitting on it. Really, it's the same with Monkey Island, with uh, well now Disney. So now, now there's a, a nostalgia thing going on here that as is, well, mm-hmm. in a way, you sh- you should think about. Uh, you know, if you say, well, I really want a new Quest for Glory, I don't want a hero. You mm. well, guess what? The difference in those two games is the title. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, before we were ever at Sierra, we had drafted plans for how we would do a, uh, you know, a role-playing style adventure game. Uh, and we brought that to Sierra uh, and we turned that into Heroes Quest, which became Quest for Glory. And we made a, you know, a series of five games. So, and then we made some pretty good games there from what we hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they, you know, they got good ratings. People love those games and still play them. Okay, well, we had said, okay, we want to make an entirely new game set at the Hero University, uh, and we made a game that has adventure game and role-playing in it. And, you know, as I said, the difference between those games, they, they are different games, uh, but they're, you know, they're Lori's writing all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, uh, you know, my combat systems and uh, uh, role-playing systems, uh, and, you know, they really are the heart of the coals in either one of those. So if you're saying, well, we're not going to support you unless you do a quest for glory, then you're basically saying, well, we're not supporting creativity. We're not supporting originality. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> real difference between Quest for Glories and, and Rogue to Redemption is like, oh, maybe 30 years of game design <laughs> and game playing and all of these experiences that go into life meant that Rogue to Redemption is the next generation of that style of game. Yeah, we've uh, but we've bumped up the interactivity, given you a lot more things you can do. Uh, and uh, more realistic combat, more choices of yeah. You know, so basically, stuff. we just took all the lessons we'd learned over that time and and made a game. And so every game we do is a new experience, and but it draws upon uh, a lifetime of playing games. And so our experiences go into creating our games, and they just do get better and better. Now we don't have the ten million dollar budget to uh, make this, you know, a full massively multiplayer world and so on, or maybe fifty million dollars these days. But uh, uh, but you know, within the limitations of uh, what we do have, you know, we've managed to make a game that we're very proud of, and that uh, you know, as Lori says, is the next generation uh, of the concepts that we put into Quest for Glory. And right. uh, Summer Days uh, in Hero U is a, a little bit of a sidetrack. But another way, it's an evolution in the storytelling part of it that uh, we can, you know, Lori can really focus on making sure that you get, uh, you know, a richer, complete story uh, because you're not distracted uh, by, uh, uh, you know, uh, puzzles that, that blockade you. Right. So it's mm -hmm. creating a new opportunity for a different style of game. And, and that means that there's different ways of writing in that. And it opens up other possibilities for other style games in the future. Yeah, I'd like to make a, a pure puzzle game uh, one of these days, uh, uh, similar to what I did with Castle of Dr. Brain when I worked at Sierra. Uh, and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, not having to, uh, you know, go dollar to dollar and uh, week to week on uh, uh, living expenses to, to say that, yeah, we have the freedom to make this. Yeah, and I'd like to do uh, a game... With set in the weird wild west and do a western style game in this this kind of format, which would be a very different game. So we have all these plans and all these things that what we want to do. We just need to keep doing them. And we had uh, proposals for two uh, games set in space that we wanted to do at one point. Uh, this the uh, Sony proposal had to do with uh, uh, wizard combat in the arena with a uh, role-playing rapper that would let you uh, learn new spells and improve your abilities uh, over time. And uh, that's, you know, a hugely ambitious game that we would need a full uh, team for that uh, maybe we'll do someday. So, sure, so Quest for Glory in Space. I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, survival, survival on Sigma 7 was one of the titles because <laughs> Laurie loves to alliterate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh then finally before i let you guys go then with this game since it's a prequel do you need to have played hero you rogue to redemption or can you play the game and enjoy it um i mean hopefully people yes. will play it anyway but is it yes. more standalone <laughs> it is more standalone it is a different style it is a standalone you don't need to know anything about what the other games or even what quest for glory was or anything we've done in the past you just need to have, you know, a, a, a want to play a fun game. Yeah, so uh, playing uh, Quest for Glory, if you were familiar with Monty Python or Fire Sign Theater or any of the other, uh, you know, hundreds or thousands of uh, pop culture and uh, historical references we stuck in, you would enjoy it seeing that little tidbit in the game. 
but it didn't really have anything to do with the game itself. It was just, you know, right. some fun in there. Uh, so if you have played Hero U Rogue Redemption, you will recognize some of the characters in Summer Days at Hero U, and you will love getting more backstory on uh, the university and the uh, ancient castle it's in and uh, that sort of thing. But if you play it uh, starting out, uh, I mean, I read Lord of the Rings before I ever read The Hobbit. Yes. Uh, and I love Lord of the Rings. Later I read The Hobbit and said, oh, this is this seems kind of related to it. And oh, you know what? It's a really good book too, but it's a completely different style. Uh, so that's what this is. This is The Hobbit. The Hobbit to Lord of the Rings. You'll use Lord of the Redemption. Yes. I mean, you'll use Lord of the Rings, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Let me try again. Uh, so yes, Summer Days at Hero U is our version of The Hobbit compared to Hero You Rogue to Redemption being our version of Lord of the Rings. Yes. <laughs> wow, that's... They, they uh, stand on their own. <laughs> wow, that's, that's, that's certainly sound very interesting. And then actually I see as well that you're planning on releasing this on different uh, systems, so PC, Mac, and Linux, and then on uh, mobile as well, correct? Yes. yes. Yeah, we actually already so, have a version of it on Android. Uh, the developer did not want us to put it out in public because there were some tweaks you wanted to make to it. Uh, but uh, we have played it on Android. It plays beautifully, and it looks absolutely amazing on uh, a Samsung tablet. Uh, it'll be on uh, Apple devices with iOS, uh, and we are almost certainly going to put it on the uh, Nintendo Switch as well. Uh, probably not any other consoles, but uh, you know, mobile devices, absolutely. And this game will be equally fun to play on a PC or on a uh, mobile device. Cool, because that seems to be one of the questions that I see a lot. Uh, you know, will it be available on Switch, on iOS? And so the answer in this case is yes, uh, yes. it seems. Uh, that, that's great. Yeah. And, uh, and again, and stretch goals will make it easier for us to do that, but we're going to do it regardless. So by the time this uh, this episode goes out, there will be about uh, close to a week left. It's close to the goal, but need help, more help getting there. Um, and so all going well, then. I think you mentioned, the, well, I, I'm kind of uh, don't really want to ask about release dates since things could happen. But what, do you have any plan? I think you mentioned at the end of next year. Yes, we have, a, we have a plan, which is to release uh, October 1st, 2020. And okay. uh, we will find we will find out whether uh, whether we manage that. One, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, being a, an indie, we have the luxury of not having a company tell us that uh, we have to ship the game whether it's done or not. And mm -hmm. that happened to Quest for Glory Four. Quest for Glory Four, in its original version, went out the door in a virtually unplayable state. And we will never do that, uh, which is why we spent ten months testing uh, Hero You Rogue Redemption. Uh, before we were willing to release it. Uh, this game uh, is not as difficult. We don't expect as many problems with it. Uh, but, you know, there is a lot of, uh, you know, player choice that will be difficult to test. So it's going to get at least a couple of uh, solid months of uh, testing before we release it. Uh, but, yeah, we uh, we believe we can have it out in October. Our actual plan is Lori is going to finish uh, one half of the game, which is uh, Tilly uh, Appleberry's story and get that completely uh, written and working. Uh, and then we'll be able to release it to our beta testers and our, uh, 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 kick, you know, some of our Kickstarter backers and other people will get to play it uh, in a uh, half of the game. And it will be a completely playable game, but it will only be one of the viewpoint characters. And meanwhile, Lori will be uh, uh, writing madly away and our artists will be arting madly away uh, at... Uh, 
uh, Efeo's story, Efeo Kina. Uh, and uh, so if we have delays, we will at least make sure that we get a game out uh, next summer oh, sure. or next fall that has, uh, you know, a complete game with uh, Tilly's story. And then we'll continue working on it until both halves are done. Then a final, final question. Is the house okay? I hope this time you do not have to put the house on the line <laughs> for the Kickstarter. That, no, uh, for... Okay, so our artists are resources that we can't really get the game done without artists. We can't get it get done uh, without uh, programmers and musicians. So our house is a resource. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're pretty lucky. We have other options. If our house goes away, uh, we'll live. We'll do fine. Uh, but our house is a, a wonderful resource because it was completely paid off at one point. Uh, <laughs> and we were able to get a line of credit uh, tied to the house that uh, we use to uh, fund our, uh, our ongoing cash flow of the game. And it's, uh, to us, that's, that's all imaginary money. Uh, so, yeah, in theory, in theory, maybe someday we'll lose the house. But at this point, we just have some indebtedness that is coincidentally tied to the house. And uh, no, it's a yeah, no, we don't care. It's a it's just it's just another resource to help us get games done. Yeah. So in other words, we're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Well, hopefully it won't come to that. Hopefully, even though the house is a resource, hopefully you still keep it. <laughs> I, I saw a funny. Live. Yeah, I saw a funny thing about uh, uh, you know rich and poor people around the world, uh, and the the weird thing is that if you if you looked at uh, the twentieth to fiftieth uh, percentile of uh, of wealth uh, that that actually was uh, uh, wealthier than if you included the everybody up to the 50th percentile. And the reason is they were looking at net worth and there are all these uh, people that are millions of dollars in debt in the U.S. Uh, so debt is this imaginary number. We've never starved. Uh, we don't plan to. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's OK to be in debt uh, as long as we make great games. Uh, and if we get the vo vote of confidence from the players that – play it and are willing to pay us for our games, that's really awesome, and uh, that can help us get out of debt. Uh, but, you know, it's it's the game is the thing. Okay, well, the game, as you say, is a thing, but hopefully you guys can keep your house and make some money at least as well. That's, we hope uh, so, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe go uh, on maybe holidays. Around, uh, yeah, maybe around <laughs> the age 90 or 100 when we re retire, so it would be nice to approach <laughs> even by then. Yeah. Retire? I'm, I, I can't really picture you guys retiring, but... <laughs> no, clearly, neither can we. <laughs> well, I certainly hope that you guys continue for a long time yet, with you, I'm sure a lot of people. And um, and then, finally, finally, so that's Summer Days at Hero U, and that is on Kickstarter now. So, um, the very last question then... Well, first of all, where can people find you guys? So, you have, you've mentioned Facebook and Discord... Yeah, we got uh, all sorts of things going on. Uh, so our uh, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash transolar games. Uh, there's only one S in transolar, uh, another one in games. Uh, we have a, <laughs> a, a Discord channel, which I think you can look up as transolar games. Um, mm -hmm. We are uh, the School for Heroes on, uh, uh, on Facebook, but I believe you can look us up as hero-u, hero-u. Uh, we'll find us on uh, uh, on Facebook. Uh, we're on uh, Twitter. I'm uh, uh, Hero Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, and Lori is Hero underscore L-O-R-I. 
Hero underscore Lori. Um, so we're uh, we're on a lot of media, a lot of places. I'm probably missing a few. Um, uh, you can find our games on uh, Steam. You can look up uh, Hero Dash U on Steam or on GOG.com or on itch.io. Itch.io uh, and Steam both have the uh, uh, Summer Days de- uh, demo. And once again, that's Summer Days, D-A-Z-E, not D-A-Y-S. Uh, so Summer Days. Uh, you can uh, download a playable uh, prototype of uh, day one of Tilly's story uh, to really get a feeling for, uh, you know, what the story is like in uh, summer days. Uh, don't have all the internet activity there yet, but it's coming. Um, and so, yeah, we're just in a lot of media. We're doing the uh, Twitch uh, live streams, uh, uh, California uh, Pacific time. It's a PDT. It's changing PST soon. Uh uh, 4 to 6 p.m. on Saturdays. On Halloween Day, we're doing uh, uh, 1 p.m. till probably somewhere around 10 p.m., maybe as late as midnight. Uh, we'll be uh, doing a live stream playing Quest for Glory 4 and uh, having contests and prizes and all kinds of fun things going on. Uh, and that's, uh, again, 1 p.m. in California is 9 p.m. in uh, Ireland. Uh, so... Uh, it's uh, early in the morning uh, the next day uh, in, uh, uh, in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so we have to deal with that. And, uh, and we've worked with uh, on Road to Redemption and on uh, Summer Days. You know, we're working with uh, teams that are all around the world. Uh, so it's uh, quite a challenge to uh, get everyone's time zones into sync. But at any rate, yes, we're all over the place. We'd all- love to have people join us. We are, we're, uh, we'd love to create this great global community of people who love this games. And we love getting uh, likes and retweets and stuff like that on our uh, uh, Facebook and uh, uh, Twitter uh, uh, content because uh, their algorithms, uh, they, they, when you like something, you make a better chance that other people will get to see it. And yes. you know, we have a funny thing in our Kickstarter. So I've got to warn you, I've got to warn you now, if you visit our Kickstarter page, which you should, uh, Summer Days on Kickstarter, uh, most of the people that come there end up pledging. So oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I think we have a pretty uh, pretty exciting uh, thing in store here that uh, you will love if you uh, just get to know about it and tell your friends about it because uh, we need to get people seeing that page because when they get there they say wow this is cool let's do it <laughs> so let's do it <laughs> yeah so exactly and uh, no it definitely looks really nice and from what I can see that we have uh, you know this really nice you know really likable charming characters that uh, that have appeared in all of your games and as you said it's a game that's uplifting and certainly you know that there are, it's very rare in games or even movies nowadays a lot of the, it's very dark and kind of depressing and moody so yeah. and uh, we're making a conscious effort you know we've you know, been going through all the uh, the stuff in america where we have the uh, Democrats and Republicans won't even talk to each other now and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, and wars and, and wildfires. There's, there's a lot of dark and grim going on. And we think yeah, around the world for, as well. Uh, yeah. Yes. We think, <laughs> yeah, there, there hasn't there have never been any problems with Northern, Northern Ireland and uh, <laughs> Republic of Ireland. No, <laughs> not, no at not at all. And even, uh, even nowadays, which... We won't mention the B word. Which... No, we'll, we'll try not to. Yeah. So the, world, the world is a mess. But that doesn't mean you have to have the mess in your lives. Sometimes you just want to have some fun. You just want to relax. Exactly. And have some fun. So this, uh, you know, so Summer Days at Hero U is really designed to be our antidote to a, uh, 
uh, a world of dark, grim things. And uh, maybe we'll get back to dark, grim things when we get into uh, who are you two. But yeah. uh, but for the moment, okay. for a moment, there's a respite. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always nice, nice to hear. I think we all we all need one. <laughs> yeah. And so and then and then finally, finally, so that's summer days. I see as well. So do you, pl- you mentioned that you want to make a series of games with Rogue You? So it, it, I'm sure it's very early now. But do you have any plans then for the second or the sequel to Rogue to Redemption at all? Do you have any very early plans? Uh, we have we have plans, uh, but they are potential plans. Sure. Because it, it really depends on whether some of these, you know, so we said money doesn't really matter to us. <laughs> well, it does, it does matter when we're getting ready to do, uh, we, we spent over a million dollars on Rogue to Redemption. Uh, and... Half of that came from Kickstarter, and another quarter came from an investor, and the rest out of our pockets. Uh, so we want to know that a game has a chance of uh, breaking even before we do it. And it will sure. cost, uh, you know, again, probably a million dollars or more to do a really good job on Hero U Wizard's Way. So the idea is that each Hero U game will have a different uh, central character and a different character class. So we've done the Rogue. Coming up next is the Wizard. We've got a warrior and a paladin, and if we keep going, we'll have a scientist and a, a bard and a chef. Well, the main one will be the culmination of all your main characters, though. So, therefore, we are projecting a five-game series at this point, and, in fact, we have the character design for Wizard Way, Wizard's Way. Uh, we have a, a, a preliminary map for Wizard's Way. So we do have the start for that game. We just have to have the money for that game. Yeah. And, and that also affects uh, affects how we develop them. <clears throat> so with a, a mini budget, we have a lot of uh, uh, volunteers and part-time people. Uh, and that stretches out development. And that's why Hero U uh, Rogue Redemption took five years is because uh, people were working 10 to 20 hours a week. Uh, mm. So, you know, if we magically ended up with a $5 million budget, uh, we would be able to get the games done in two years instead of five right. uh, by having a full-time team. Uh, so, you know, there is uh, so whether we get this series done in 10 years or in 25 years, uh, you know, does depend on budget. Uh, okay. So yes, in, di- in this case, money does matter because if we want to see uh, more great games, we, uh, we, we do need money. <laughs> yeah. Money, money doesn't matter for making Lori and me rich, but it does matter for getting, uh, getting the games <laughs> done. Games. And or for having a house, <laughs> but um, uh, a house. We, <laughs> we live in a ratty house. <laughs> and it's a good weather in California, I've heard. So. Oh yeah. If yeah. you like eighty degrees, well, I don't know what is eighty. Oh, we, if, yeah, 80. we get up to hundred degrees and plus Fahrenheit in the summer here, uh, where we right, are. Right. Yeah. So that's that, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> yes, but it's t- today. It's hot outside. Yeah. It's uh, it's we're at mid October and it's uh, around eighty. Yeah, I was trying to. Convert. I don't know what that is in centigrade, but you can convert for us. Yeah. At any rate, yeah. it's hot outside, and so this is what our October is like. Any rate, <laughs> but. Uh, but we're surrounded by uh, trees and hills and uh, plants and uh, birds and animals, and it is absolutely gorgeous here. Uh, so the, uh, you know, the, the house is ratty, the land is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, may- maybe I'll go sometime because here it's certainly not hot. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, October in full swing. <laughs> we certainly, you know, encourage anybody to come out our way and get to see Yosemite National Park and mm-hmm. the, one of the wonders of the world. So, oh, I know what other uh, media we left out was uh, YouTube. 
Oh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, there's a Transolar Games channel on YouTube, uh, and we have, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that's, uh, you know, Let's Plays of, of Hero You and so on. We have uh, Let's Plays of Quest for Glory that Lori and I uh, played and comment on uh, the development. Uh, and uh, we've also got uh, some uh, uh, cute promotional things where, uh, yeah, and me singing even, uh, where I sing the Summer Days uh, theme song. Summer Days at Hero You. Doesn't sound anything like that. Uh, Fortunately. <laughs> no, it's a summer days, summer days at Hero U. Uh, and uh, uh, we have other ones where we kind of tell uh, the story uh, of what's going on in the games. There's one of them that even uh, uh, shows uh, a, uh, uh, a painter's version of our house. Uh, so uh, you can see uh, what it is that we have to preserve there by uh, breaking even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I think of that for about nearly two hours now. Um, I hope oh, I yeah. haven't. <laughs> I, I have, uh, you got to uh, edit this down into something reasonable for a podcast. Uh, oh, well, I can keep most of it up because I, I don't know what to take out of this. <laughs> it's, uh, ah. you know, all of it has been, has been interesting, and you know, I've certainly not have noticed the time go by. So, um, but anyway, storytelling game support us on it, Kickstarter. Yeah, that's it. Summer exactly. days at Hero You. So that, if anybody gets anything out of uh, this interview, make sure to support Summer Days at Hero U, so that you guys can continue making it. Not not working, but like, I get the sense that this doesn't really work for you guys. As you mentioned, it's a hobby, uh, but uh, it's, well, it's, so, a, it's a lot. It's a lot of work, but it's not a work like digging ditches. It's a right. It's a, it's a work <laughs> of straining our brains, trying to come up with the right lines of dialogue and. The right, uh, the right choices for the players. I'll leave it to you guys, Dan. Is there anything that you would like to say to anybody listening before we finish? <laughs> Our usual is thank you. Yes. Uh, because many of many of you have uh, played our games or uh, you know other adventure and role playing games in the past, and uh, you know thank you for being part because we're you know we're players too, uh, so mm-hmm. we're really all a community, and uh, you know just uh, we really appreciate. Uh, that you're with us and uh, you're gamers too. Yes, and that you help keep gaming alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, without you, there wouldn't be any games. Or there'd be only, uh, you know, boring uh, action games. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a funny combination of words, but. Uh, you know. <laughs> no, I get you as well. And I'm sure I can speak on behalf of uh, old fans to say thank you guys as well for all your work over the last. 30 plus years and giving us some hope as well in in our lives and making us feel like heroes as well uh so thank you very very much and for me thank you very very much for joining me again on the the sequel i believe you're the first developers who have joined me now twice on full-length <laughs> episodes and i didn't scare you away the first time <laughs> and, and, oh, uh, loved, i love to talk yeah. yeah, no, that that's great for me. It's like, uh, yeah, no, sure, just just talk away. And I've had a great time the last two hours. And I, I could go on at least all night in Ireland <laughs> listening to you guys. But I also want you guys kind of to, well, relax and continue working on the game and the Kickstarter. Well, so. well check out our, check out our uh, Twitch TV uh, live streams because uh, that's where we talk even more. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to. I'll, I'll do my very best. So that was my interview with Corey and Laurie Cole. A huge, huge thank you to both Corey and Laurie Cole for agreeing to speak to me a second time 
and to Roberta Vaughn for once again putting me in contact with the goals. So I really, really hope the Kickstarter does well and um, I'm looking forward to finding out more about their game and trying it out when it comes out. And I'd love to speak to them again, hopefully soon. Uh, so uh, I will be back on Friday with a regular episode with another interview, this time with Pontus Wittenmark, who is working on Justin Wack and the Big Time Hack, and he has a Kickstarter coming out for that game on November 5th. So we want to be sure to check out that interview and check out his Kickstarter as well. So until then, have a good week, everyone. Bye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or a Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you